What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today's book is Consorting with Spirits, Your Guide to Working with Invisible Allies by Jason Miller, which came out last year, 2022. New books. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say this is a this year book. So Jason is the author of six books, and one of them is Protection and Reversal Magic, which he does discuss in this book that we're going to be reading. He also teaches online, and you can find him at strategicsorcery.net for people who are curious after this. That's where you could find more stuff on him. So why this book and why now? Well, I think we talked about it in an earlier podcast this year when we said, you know, we love the intro book that we read because, you know, it was just perfection. Great way to start the year. But what happens after your basic books? What can a witch look for if they want to step it up? And that's where this book came in. We were like, you know what? This is not, and he even says it, one of the things that I like, this should not be your first book on magic. If this is your first book on magic, put it away, get something else, come back. So, you know, and then we'll also talk about like, what do we mean by your first book on magic? Do you have to have worked with spirits before? Yeah. Maybe not to the degree that he's doing, but yes, you should have done something. So anyway. Let's dive right in or do you have a quote? I have a quote and I have a quote because I think I'm just going to go right in. It's right at the intro, right on page one. A few hundred years ago, doing anything this book recommends... <laughs> Would have made you a criminal. Yeah. But isn't that kind of true with a lot of the witchcraft books? Like anything from those books would have locked you away, gotten you burned, hanged. Like yeah. So, but he's I like just that's being where real upfront about it. <laughs> yeah, he's so upfront that he says that the book title is actually a crime that you could have been charged with in 17th century England, consorting with spirits. Yeah. That was a crime. So that was like in the books. Like, what was this person, why is this person brought to me? Oh, they're consorting with spirits. That's it. That's a crime. Done. You're going to jail. Also in the introduction, this is probably the first time I've ever actually thought that somebody, like, referencing the dictionary definition of something was a useful, like, literary tool. Normally people do that, and I'm like, okay, that's, thank you. We could just, I don't need the definition. But the way that he uses the various definitions of the term consort to really mm. highlight what the important part of that is for this text, I actually thought like was smart and useful. So shout out to Jason Miller for being the only guy I've ever seen do that. Yeah, I agree. And I like that he chose consorting versus, and he talks about that too, conjuring, right? Yeah. Um, one thing is to feel like, okay, I have control over you. And another thing is to come at spirits with this equal footing. Sometimes you have to be strong. Sometimes you have to be like, no, dude, mm -hmm. this is what we're doing. But the idea is you're not coming into this with this like cocky feeling. Like you definitely yeah. are, you know, with them, not controlling them. So. And he emphasizes in that definition moment that like, it's about habitual company. It's about working with the spirits regularly. That's why yeah. you're consorting. Yeah. So he also starts right off the bat by saying that <clears throat> the best sorcery is local. This idea that people feel they have to 
contact this, you know, spirit, angel, demon who has been known throughout, you know, time itself. How about you just start? And he's not the first author who's talked about that, right? The idea yeah. of how about talking to the spirit of the tree outside your house? Yeah. How about you start there? Right? So anyway, um, he says there's a couple of things this book is going to do. One, it's going to instruct how to conjure and communicate with spirits. And two, give you the tools you need for deepening and discerning the communications that you receive. I really appreciate that, that when a book just comes out and says, this is what you're going to get from here. Yeah. Like if you were looking for something else, um, look, somewhere <laughs> look somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not yeah. what I'm doing. And I think with a book like this, like all joking aside about, you know, this was illegal back then. I think when it comes to our community, there is this skittishness about it. Like, yes, we all acknowledge or some of us acknowledge that we work with deity. Mm -hmm. um, some of us acknowledge that we want to work with the elements. We want to work with the spirits of the spring and summer or work with fairies or work with, we all talk about that. But the minute you say something like conjuring spirits or consorting with spirits, mm -hmm. and he's not going to like beat around the bush, like some of this is going to be, you know, demons. I think yeah. a lot of witches tend to go, ooh, wait a minute. And of course he doesn't call himself a witch, although he does say he, he has been a witch. But he mostly talk, call, talk, He mostly calls himself a magician, right? A sorcerer. He, a sorcerer, yeah. Well, and he says, Matt Oren says in the intro, which I really liked, I actually highlighted this part, that Jason calls himself a sorcerer because it's the middle point between magician and witch. Yeah. And that, I think, is a really interesting delineation because I do, one of the things that we'll talk about and I'll talk about as we go through the book is I do think that, like, this is very, like, cerebral a lot of it it's very like um academic and i think that that's really the magician side of mm. this practice is this very sort of like researching read the books write the seals etc cetera, etc cetera. and the witch aspect is much more like the communication the relationship that sort of thing and so the idea of like okay well i'm not either of those things i'm a sorcerer i think is a really important distinction that jason makes um, and, you know, hey, guys, it's an option. You could also be a sorcerer if, like, witch or magician doesn't really fit right with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so a couple of things that he does say also is that not all spirits tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And the lessons in this book, he says, are going to help you separate this idea of, like, what's real, um, what maybe is not so real, um, the truth from the lies, and what is really important that you get out of this communication versus what's like insignificant. Yeah. So that's another thing. So I, I really like this. The only other thing I wanted to say at the very beginning before we get into chapter one is that the rituals in the book are framed according to three points of views, he says. Three yeah. points of view simultaneously. So you kind of have to just, you know, go with it. One is Christianity. The other is paganism. And the last one's Luciferianism, which he really says is like a view of Christianity. Actually, I do want to have a minute on this. He makes a comment in the paragraph right above that where he's talking about, like, what is my magic? What is my path? And he's, like, hesitant to define himself. And he says, to me, magic is magic. I know more worrying about combining methods from these traditions that I have dedicated years of study to than I would about drawing lessons from French cooking and Tex-Mex at the same time. Food is food and magic is magic. 
it makes me think about the way this is a big this is a big leap it makes me think about the way we frame systems of oppression and like cultural appropriation and that sort of stuff because yes cultural appropriation is bad but also cultural appropriation is a system of oppression so like if you want to put your French and your Tex-Mex together, nobody can actually stop you from doing that. It's when you're then saying, well, this is the right way to do it. Or this is, you know, I made this up or I've created this. Like that's when you start having a problem. So I think that this idea, the way that he's framed it, is really something that's missing from the conversation. Because he says, like, listen, I do stuff that I'm not talking about in this book because it's not my place to do it. He doesn't share right. any root work. He doesn't talk about Voodoo or anything except to like mention certain ideas. But he's also not saying, I'm not doing this. I learned this from somebody. I do it. It's not my place to share it. And I yeah. think that's really the framework that some people need to come to their practice with because, again, like I can't come to your house and be like, you can't do this. But I can say, hey, the way that you're sharing it is appropriative. It's unfair. It's taking credit where you don't deserve it. Um, and so I really liked that. It was such like a simple, like a, you know, like two sentences. But I think it's a really good framework to come to your practice too. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it made me think of, you know, the answer that some people might have to that is, well, he's gatekeeping. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really tired of people saying so-and-so's gatekeeping. You know, why are they gatekeeping? You know, somebody gave him the information, right? He found the information. Yeah. So it's not that people are gatekeeping, but like you said, that he said, he's been doing this for years. So yes, he's going to go into different circles and people are going to accept him and they're going to realize he's a very serious sorcerer and therefore will share information with him. But I really did appreciate when he said, because he also mentioned Santeros and Paleros and all this stuff, but... That's it, like you said, to mention it, because that's a thing out there, but he's not discussing it, right? Yeah. And I, I think I think that's how we're going gain, to gain more respect for different practices if people just approach it that way. Like, you know, yeah, people will open the doors for you, but that doesn't mean that you go off now and say, this is mine. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. They, it's like they open the door, but you don't own the house when you go in. Right, Yeah. Like, you don't, you can't just, it's, that's such a white person thing to be like, this house is mine now. You gotta go. <laughs> Did you ever watch the comedian Eddie Izzard? Uh, many, many, many years ago. Did you ever see the thing they did about um, flags? I don't think and so. Their whole thing, their whole shtick was, you know, people come and they put a flag somewhere and they're like, this is ours. And then people that are living there are like, Hi, we live here. Well, do you have a flag? No, you don't have a flag. It's not yours. And, you know, it's just obviously they're trying to make fun at a big topic because it's what they do. You know, this idea of colonialism. But that's what it made me think of. Like, do you have a flag? No. Okay. Next. (laughs) Now it's my house. (laughs) Yeah, I live here now. (laughs) Yeah. So chapter by chapter. I guess we can jump around a little bit, but I think the first chapter is really good. Well, the whole book is really good, but what is a spirit? I love that he takes us for this ride, like talking just about things. And he goes, I haven't answered the question yet. Want me to tell you what this, <laughs> what it is? Like, yes. But I, I thought it was good because you know what? Sometimes just like people don't read directions, 
um, people also, if you tell them the definition, would go, okay, that's spirit. I'm either going to feel some way mm -hmm. or another, and I'm not going to keep reading. So I think it was really smart that he was like, look, I got to tell you a couple of things. And then I'm going to tell you what I think the definition of spirit is. I think this book took me on a roller coaster because it's like sometimes he says things and I'm like, Bleh. and sometimes he says things and I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely, 110%. And then sometimes he says things and I'm like in a weird space in the middle. Um, because this beginning part of the chapter really, first of all, really solidified for me that I am a witch and not a sorcerer and not a magician. Like I'm a witch. I'm none of those other things. Because okay. I'm reading his discussion of like conjuring his holy angel and like this very like flippant conversation that the angel is having with him. And my immediate thought is like, that doesn't seem right. That, that seems real cash for you summoning. <laughs> like that, that seems really, really casual. Um, and like just didn't sit right with me. And I like I think that that's just like the way that I personally relate to spirit doesn't align with that sort of thing. And so for me, it was like, okay, well, I'm reading this and I'm like, I don't like it. And then we get deeper and I'm like, no, no, actually, okay, I like it. I get it now. I just am not the kind of person who's going to like conjure a holy angel and then have them look at me and be like, your life's going to go to shit if you don't do this. Like, I just felt like an angel would be more serious than that. Okay, so I, I thought we were going to go somewhere else when we started talking about this. So now I'm like, uh, okay, so what I wanted to talk about in chapter one, and we can come back to what you're saying, because yes, I, I know what you mean. Um, this whole idea of, there was a time, because it's like the whole history and the whole idea of science and witchcraft or science and magic right? Yes. This whole idea that there was a time where it's like, oh, this thing happened to you or you got sick must have been a demon or must have been a spirit where like, no, like germs, germs could kill you. Germs are real. Germs are real. And, yeah. um, you know, what you, what you thought at one point in life, in history that, you know, could kill you. No, turns out germs are more reliable than demons. You know, they're not... So I kind of really like that he did that. Go ahead, what were you going to say? You're you're right. I started this chapter on a low and then it came up higher yeah. as we went. I His his analysis of the modes of magic is really, really good. And um, it's the kind of thing that, like, I will be referencing in the future. It's something that I think aligns really well with my idea of, like, paradigms of spellcraft. So the idea of, like, okay, is it energy that you're working with is it your mind i really enjoyed his conversation about chaos magic because i do think that it's the kind of thing that like it's very wishy-washy like i don't i hear it mentioned but i don't see it talked about a lot so to be like listen yeah this is what chaos magic was in the 80s um you know it doesn't matter what you believe just that you believe it and it's this very sort of meta understanding of magic i was like oh this this actually is a totally reasonable track the way that we're watching the magic the mode of magic modify um and then talking about how after y2k it was more like okay how can we be more traditional go back to folk practices go back to our own cultures and then to, to come to the conclusion that like all of these models work together you don't have to pick one yeah i also like this idea of talking about the psychology yeah because, okay, I guess part of me feels like I've been, is it vindicated? I don't know. You know how when I said, like, you know, sometimes you need to go see a psychologist. Like, are you crazy yes. or are you, you know, 
practicing magic. And I think that he also talks about that, like not everything that we perceive, and that's later in the book, right, is reality. And we have to really be critical. You know, and I like to hear somebody else say that because I feel that all the time. Just because I'm a witch doesn't mean that if I do something, like I could do something and go, see, it happened. But then later on, I'm going to go, would it have happened anyway? How much did I yeah. influence? Like, I, I I feel like that's the only way to be effective because yeah. I don't ever want to go off into this. Okay, I'm doing whatever. But anyway. Yeah, I also liked the way he, he split this up because I don't know that I would have split it up the same way, but I feel like he's he's right. I don't know if that makes any sense. And then he finally defines it. Spirits are organized consciousness. And all the world is alive with spirit. Which is like, on the one hand, an incredibly vague definition, which is so on brand. And on the other hand, I feel like a very specific definition. It's so weird that it's like both at the same time. Yeah. All right. You know what's funny? I have in my book here, in my little notebook, it says, Mm. quote, to start. So apparently I I wanted to quote something from page 15 instead. The quote was, magic is real, spirits are real, and anything real is rarely well served, being placed into a tidy box and wrapped with a bow. Yeah. That is a good quote. I understand why you did that. But, you know, I also feel like, maybe it's all in my mind, but I feel like as Everybody witches... in your mind. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's the only place I can be is in my mind. You know, I feel like as witches now, we don't want things that are tidy. I feel like we're messier now as we ever... Like, I think there was a time when you had to be very specific, right? Yes. We're talking about... And now I feel like everybody's just like, yeah, my, my practice is a whole mess, but I understand it. Like, it's my mess. So. I feel like it's it's one of those things that, like, cycles with the generations, right? Like, we mm. were in a very, like, everything's got to be by the book, and now we're moving into a wishy-washy, and then we'll move back into a by the book, and then we'll be... Like, it just... It vacillates, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, unless it's just that we're getting old. It's also that's an option. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. I have a whole thing about getting old. This whole weekend that has been about people telling me these weird things about getting old where I'm just like, what? Like one guy said, and I told you about this already, like yeah. after you're, after the age of 51, everybody he knows has spinal problems. And I'm like, my, my mother's never had spinal problems. My father never had spinal. Like I'm thinking of people who like older than 51. Mm-hmm. That ne- I never had anybody in my family ever said, well, I'm 52. I have spinal cord problems or something, which I thought was weird. And then I had to take my husband to the doctor because he has, um, he has this weird issue with his ankle and it was swelling up. So we're like, let's just make sure that like, it's nothing that it's yeah. just, you know, I mean, he's had this since he was 16. He's had all these issues. And we go and we get the report back. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's he's nothing's broken, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, you know, he's getting older. So he said to me, well, my other ankle is the same age as this ankle. So how come I can, I'm fine with this ankle? It was just the funniest thing um, because I was like, yeah, I feel like people and are just coming up with these weird ass things about getting older. I'm I sorry. I need to have a science moment on the podcast right now. Go ahead. Did you know that lobsters are functionally immortal? What do you mean? Wait, they wait, function. Okay. 
functionally, yeah. So, like, they can die if you kill them. Um, oh. But functionally, they don't die. So everybody has DNA, right? All living things have DNA. We all know this because we all went to school and schools teach us this, I hope. Yeah. The ends of your DNA are these really, really long, like, junk bullshit DNA pieces that, like, don't matter. But every time your DNA copies, a little bit gets cut off because we can't copy it perfectly. Old age is literally, like, biologically associated with the degradation of those end bits of DNA. Lobsters don't lose their ends. They can copy their DNA perfectly, so they functionally do not age. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, It would be really cool if we could figure out how to, you know, put that in us. I, I, like, I'm doing hand motions like anybody can see me because we don't record video um you know put that in us that would be really cool but also i hate the idea of human immortality that's a separate problem but i just needed to share that because i think it's really cool so what the problem is that maybe the dna in that one ankle is like not copying as effectively as the other ankle oh yeah okay that's yeah we're gonna go into a hole i was like i have like so many (laughs) follow-up questions because i find this fascinating we never actually discuss science and I mean, you are a science person and I like science, you know, I'm not like you, but yeah, I think one day we should have a science conversation. Let us know if you want us to just have a science conversation because that could be cool. I will say so many things. I know so many facts. (laughs) They're so cool though. Yeah. I only know fun facts. I don't know lame facts. You know what I don't understand when people put science down like, oh, I don't like it or it's boring. How could it be boring? Like, it's about it's about us. It's literally about things that affect us. Like, that's what I think is fascinating about science. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's never boring. See, the problem is when you're in science, you have the opposite problem because people who are in science are like, science is the only thing that ever matters and it's the most important thing in the world. And I have to be like, calm down. Take a, take a, take a breath, Sheldon. We'll be fine. You could do other stuff. So I do that with English. In my classrooms, I tell them that it's the most important thing in the whole. I do. And one girl was like, well, um, I really think that physics is the most important thing. And I said, do you? Of course Wait, she does. hold on. I said, do you? I said, so in college, that's what you're going to major in? She goes, yeah. She goes, what are your papers going to be written? How are they going to be written? In <laughs> in in equations? No, in, in English, right? You need to have an argument. You need to know how to support it. Uh, you need to know how to cite your sources. So... Yeah, my class is still more important than your physics class. We Okay, we can't do this because I am married to a physicist and I will absolutely roast physics forever. So we got it. Okay, back to the book. Okay. Back to the book. Okay, chapter one also organizes spirits. And I think this is very helpful and a better place to start because I do think that when people sort of get into the concept of like, conjuring and uh, demonology and that sort of stuff, it's very much like, here's a list of spirits. Here is how you summon them. So I like this better to be like, here are the categories of spirits. Some of them are going to be from places. Some of them are going to be like almost a race of spirits. There's different types that you can work with. Then we'll talk about, okay, who are the specific spirits? How are the specific spirits, etc.? I also think that he can write this way because of the experiences he's had. And I think they're so crucial. Because he does talk about being, how old was he, 15 or 16 or something like that? when yeah, he when just he summoned his first spirit. You know, he got a book, thought it was, you know, this is the spirit I want, and just went for it. So he's not coming at this from, I'm trying to tell, he's trying to tell you, like, I did this, 
let me tell you how you should go about it, you know, which I yeah. think mm-hmm. me personally, if I was going to conjure spirits or consort with spirits, I appreciate that talk. I appreciate knowing, like, look, this is what I did. This was kind of stupid. Like, people shouldn't do this, you know? Yeah. Um, so he has a lot of experience, which I think is great. Anyway. Then we have modes of manifestation. And he talks about the seven layers of reality. Which made me want a seven layer cake. But that's just me. I, I don't love know. I, that idea. I, I, I know. I saw seven layers and I was like, of cake? Oh, of reality. And I was like, that's right. So anyway, so what are the seven? Go ahead. Didn't the Ferrars have like a seven layer thing in their book? How I many layers so. did the Ferrars have? I don't remember. I don't know. Because that's, that's what I thought of. I wish I had thought of cake instead. I know that some of these are not the Ferrars setups though like yeah some of them are very interesting yeah so should we go should i like definitely okay so number one is the physical layer of reality then you have the etheric which is between the physical and the astral wait did i skip or is two astral no three is astral etheric astral astral okay which is like the other side then four is symbol space which is the bridges of the astral and the mental so think about like your sigils, seals, that kind of stuff. Then you have mental. I feel like it's already like too much. <laughs> mental, <laughs> which he kind of sees as like a library, right? Or like lines of code. Yeah. Which I, I really liked. I, I like that. Like I could visualize that. Then the causal, that's six. And that's the bridge between the mental and what lies underneath everything. And then perfection, which could be God the void and however you want to say like the supreme whatever it's very um it's very like plato's cave right um this Mm -hmm. idea that there is a a reality of perfection where like the perfect version of things exist and then our reality is is a sad imitation of that um if you haven't read Plato's Cave, you should. It's cool, um, but also it's it's that whole vibe. Like, what is reality? Yeah. So is there anything about the layers we want to talk about or just keep going? I think it's cool. It feels like, it feels like an analysis that he's done from, you know, all of this, like, countless hours of research that he references throughout the book. I don't necessarily know that I vibe with it, but, you know, it seems valid, I mean, I, I see it, you know, yeah. uh, this idea, but actually, wait, I'm going to not roast physics for a minute. Okay. My husband is a physicist. I've said this a hundred thousand times, but he makes a, he says this thing that I think is really poignant and I think relates to this. What does he say? Physics is, is a description of reality not an explanation. So physics describes the phenomena that we see. It doesn't explain why it happens. I think this is that for him. These seven layers are descriptions of a reality that he has perceived. It does not explain reality. It might, but it doesn't. This. You know what I mean? No, I love I it. I know. And you Sometimes know why? My husband's really smart. You know why he could explain it that way? Because he had good English teachers that help him explain the physics that he's so good at. All right, I just want to—I'm just gonna keep saying that throughout the whole podcast. Oh no, he's like a very spectacular bullshitter. He definitely had good English teachers. Thanks. 
Thanks. Reducing what I do to just being able to be a good bullshitter. Okay, right. don't worry. I will also share on the podcast that I think bullshit is fake. And then bullshit just means that you have internalized the ability to argue in a way that it feels natural and effective. So. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. So the trick to consorting <laughs> with spirits, he says, <laughs> is being able to do the work you need to do to form. And he keeps saying bridges to form a bridge between the, the natural orientation right their natural orientation the natural place where they are and our kind of like natural state being able yeah. to kind of like be able to cross that to get there and then he talks about the different types of manifestation the different ways to make bridges right one it's like a spell that's resonance and resonance is like they the energy shows up but like the spirit isn't there right which I, i'm not yeah, I get it. Then you have inhabitation. Here's the problem. The, there's ne the next, like, three or four of these. Controlled, okay, so controlled appearance makes sense because it's just conjuring it and saying, like, you have to look a certain way. But right. Inhabitation, um, manifestations of true spirits, possession, Transvocation. all of these things. Transvocation. They all feel like the same thing in okay. slightly different ways. It's like right. different fonts for the same word. And I'm sure it isn't. I just can't seem to grasp the nuances that would really make yes. them different for me. So I'm going to say that's a, that's an us thing, not a him thing. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing where, like, it really drives home that this is not your first magic book. Because yeah. I don't understand <laughs> some of this. And I might if I was, like, already kind of doing this work. Yeah. But I'm going to argue that if you've already done some sort of spirit work, you could jump into this book. Oh, absolutely. I really yeah. don't be, I don't really do spirit work at all. You know, and so here's the thing as far, as far as spirit work. Do I do spirit work? There's a lot of things that I do that it's not until we're talking on the podcast where I go, oh, I think I do do spells every day. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, I think at one point I was like, I don't do spells every day. And then, like, when we talk on the podcast, it doesn't just stay there. Like, I think about the stuff. And then I'm of like, of course, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I kind of do this every day. This is this is a spell. I, I, I think I do a spell every day. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Or like yesterday, something happened. And I was like, I was sending Reiki energy to somebody that I saw in one of the waiting rooms. And I was just like, this person just seems really upset. And I just started doing like my thing that I do for people who are ill, like not interceding. Yeah. Right. It's her path. I have not asked just, her like, if I can. Good but just, yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess that's a thing that I just did. And then when I read this and they're talking about dreams. Now, here's a funny thing. I have often said in dreams because I dream so much that I can tell when I'm just having a dream with you. Mm -hmm. And when this is not a dream that I'm having of you, it's a dream I'm having with you. Like there's mm -hmm. a reason that you are in my dream. And when I say this out loud, a lot of people are like, yeah, okay. You just <laughs> dreamt with your grandma. Okay, relax. And I'm like, no. Uh, you don't understand the relationship I have. And then I realized I should finish the sentence with this spirit. Yeah. Right. She's not here anymore. It's a spirit that I am consorting with. I spend time with my grandmother, my great grandmother. Like that is a fact. When anybody in my family passes away, I dream with them, not of them. Mm -hmm. And I try to explain that I to people that I know the difference, but people just, I don't mean magical people. I mean, just people that I talk to or whatever. Yeah. And even maybe some magical people still think like, 
you were missing your dad, so you dreamt mm-hmm. with him. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, my dreams, I can tell. I wasn't yeah. dreaming of him. I was dreaming with him. Especially the dream where I literally told him he had to stop. And he had to go do what he has to do. That he's done. Mm-hmm. And that we love him. And that he has to go. And that was the last time I saw my dad in a dream. Like, mm-hmm. I know, like, even in my, and I, very few times do I have lucid dreaming, but that's the other reason why I know, because as it's happening, yeah. I'm very aware, oh, I'm dreaming, oh, yeah. what's happening, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see that in this book, that he talks about that, about the idea of spirits in dreams, because I feel almost like, see, I told you people, like, I'm not crazy, so, well, I'm crazy, but not about this, so anyway. And, okay, so you're right, like, if we're going to use the definition of spirit from this book, obviously I do spirit work because I worship deity. Right. So, but, like, and and that was sort of the same problem that I had with that, with his description of his relationship with Astaroth, with his description of um, conjuring the holy angel. Like, it's so casual. And, like, there is so much, like, reverence and separation with what I do that it's like this this is this was this was so hard for me and I feel like this is the kind of book that I need to read like multiple times and like I was highlighting but I need to take more notes and I feel bad because I feel like I'm getting on this podcast and I'm like sharing but I haven't fully integrated the knowledge yet because this book I think has been so much harder for me than the other books I think it's okay to say that on the podcast it's not that we haven't read it it's just that this is on a different level to you know when we come on here our talking is not a substitute for reading the book but we try to give right we try to give people a good understanding of what we've gotten from the book when you have a meaty text like this it's hard to just go oh chapter one was this chapter two was this blah 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 blah. let's keep going because the topics that he's talking about this is a great book i'll tell you this if you have witchy friends i think this is a great book to make like a book club yeah. Read because I think you need somebody else to go, okay, chapter five or whatever it is. Like, what is going on here? So, like, I, I think more than other podcasts that we've done, I think this conversation is really us trying to understand it more. The book. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, we've read it, but there's this is not the kind of book that you're going to read lightly and put aside. And we've said we go back to other books because we do, but there's something different about this book. And I think it's. Maybe it's semantics. Maybe it's the way we use language. And I'll give you an example. Like my mom, I don't know, I was talking about something. And I said religion. And she's like, oh, so now, so witchcraft is a religion. And I looked at her and I said, you're religious too. And she's like, no, no, no. Espiritismo is not. And I'm like, yes, it is. I said, what is religion? But a discussion about is there deity? What is deity? What is our role to deity? I said, Mm -hmm. that's religion. I said, whether you like it or not, I said, you are religious. And she took a step back and she went, fair. She's like, you're right. You know, and that's so funny because I had the same mental process because I used to say I'm spiritual. And I finally said, I was like, I'm literally reconstructing an ancient religion. I'm religious. I just assume that when someone says religious, they're talking about being Christian. Right. And I think it's the same thing with this book. He's using terms or he's using ideas that we may have another word for or we might put mm-hmm. in a different box. Right. So I don't want to be in that box. And you're like, wait a minute. But he's not putting it in that box. I'm putting it in that box. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem that anybody 
who is not a sorcerer is coming to this and it's going to go, oh, wait a minute, but that's not how I, okay, sit with it. It's a you problem, mm-hmm. right? Because I had the same issue with some of these things where I'm like, ah, no. And then I had to go, wait a minute, this is a me problem. He's explaining it perfectly. You know, it's just, why do I see words a certain way? It's also really funny because I think we are always like, oh, a book has like an activity. You should do this. We love this. But like, this is actually the kind of book that that I like because this is the kind of book that it's like, you. there is no activity. You have to sit with it. You have to yeah. figure out what it means. He's not sitting here and being like, okay, now that I'm done, here's some questions you might want to answer. No, you you get the questions on your own. <laughs> you read this and you're like, I don't quite grasp it. And like for me, I know I'm going to have to sit down with like the section on transvocation. Going to have to sit down. What do these words mean? Yeah. What is he saying? Because when I just read it to read it, I didn't fully comprehend. Right. Now, a couple of things. There's one thing that I wrote down that I I freaking loved. Okay. Well, two things. Okay. Actually, a bunch of things. I love I love this book. <laughs> no, but okay. Chapter three. Going into chapter three. Yes. Right. Spirit skills. And this is another quote because I had to sit with this for a second. Every experience you ever had is a mixture of your own perceptions of what actually happened and the projections that are you placed upon it. And it's, it's interesting because when, when you think about even arguments, when people argue, no, 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 mm-hmm. that's not what happened. Let me tell you what happened. And you're like, yes, that's what happened, but that's mixed with your perception. Mm-hmm. So what were you going to say? Go ahead. Because you, you, you put the book down. People who don't know, if you put the book I down, she's like ready. Ready. Okay. I am in therapy. <laughs> but one of the things that I talk about is that I talk about in therapy is like my struggle to separate other people's voices from my own in my head and I say and we talk about this idea that like the first thought that you have is the one that was taught to you and then the second thought is what you actually think and I think this is super important especially for people in the witchcraft community because I think a lot of us think that we can't be manipulated or propagandized or marketed to um and hey you can um we all can and the sooner we admit that to ourselves the sooner we can work on being freed from it because there was a long time where I thought that I was too smart that I was too smart and I couldn't be tricked and now I'm 85 years old trying to unpack the ways that society tricked me that I thought I wasn't internalizing yeah oh no oh no and I oh fuck I'm processing the book. My projection of spirit work is basically counter to his projection of spirit work, which is why I immediately, in some cases, was like, ooh, I hate this. Yeah. God. Yeah, this I think a lot is of... like witchcraft therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a psych major, but... <laughs> <laughs> Never got my master's in it, so I cannot help you there. Um, I think so much of our practice is, and when I say our practice, I mean like a lot of witches, not just the two of mm-hmm. us. You know, a lot of it is trying to figure out what's real and what isn't. 
what did I think I had to do or somebody told mm-hmm. me to or whatever versus, oh, no, the reality of witchcraft is blank. So anyway, he then talks about meditation is key. Yes. And what I liked for the first time, somebody broke down meditation that I think would help people who don't meditate. He's like, how about you just start with just being quiet for 20 minutes? Literally, he wrote down, sit down and shut up. So sit down and shut up for 20 minutes. If you can do that, oh, awesome. Now take next time, 10 minutes, focus on something, your breath, a candle, whatever, right? But I like that he just started with, because I think a lot of people, when you say, do you meditate? Oh my God, that's beyond me. It's so hard. No, it's not. He's like, sit down, shut up 20 minutes. You did it? Good. You meditated next, right? Um, He also says that after that, you should have idle time, which is Mm -hmm. not the same as meditation. Meditation is going to be work, right? That idea of like, you know, being in there in your mind. Idle time is, why don't you just be bored? Have you sat with being bored for a while? And I think, and I don't want to just blame, you know, Gen Z or Gen Alpha, Adults nowadays, we don't want to be bored. Our phones are everywhere. The minute you get somewhere, mm-hmm. you're in a waiting room and you know it's going to take no more than five minutes. Most people are like, five minutes and they're on their phone. And I'll just sit there sometimes. And do I get bored? Oh, hell yeah. But I remember being bored. Like, being bored is okay. Yeah. You know? Being bored is the whole reason that human beings developed ideas and civilization and philosophy and so many things uh without being bored you don't have the time to just like ruminate and contemplate and figure stuff out so it's you know it's foundational to the human experience but somehow we are separating ourselves (laughs) well yeah but we are separating ourselves more and more from this human experience you know i'm like now that I'm old, emotionally, mm-hmm. um, I'm really over the idea of, like, hacking your body or, like, I'm over, like, that cyberpunk idea of, like, let's insert little computers into us to, like, be able to do cool shit. Like, I'm, I'm over all that because it's all just – it's all just making your life more your brain and we're not just our brain my body is me it's not separate from me so why am I going to treat my body like I'm wearing a flesh suit I'm not amen I like that so he did have an exercise that I really want to do and I did it a little bit which one the look past the veil exercise yes so step one you just look straight ahead You can look at a thing if you want, like a vase or something. And then step two, imagine whatever it is you're staring at, instead of being like in reality, imagine that it's like a TV screen or a computer screen, right? And then once you have that and you can see it and and it looks like it's on a screen, imagine what's Mm -hmm. behind it. Imagine what's beyond that and see what feelings you get. And he says for some people, it can be really creepy. And for other Mm -hmm. people, it feels differently. So see how you feel. So that's something I want to do. Is this the one where he's like, you get the feeling that something's looking back at you? Yes. Because when he wrote, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. Staring at the void and having the void stare back. Let's fucking go. (laughs) 
So my mother never let me think that I was never alone. And I don't think she realized how maybe you shouldn't tell kids that. Like, it might be no, true. that's too creepy for children, yeah. But she would tell me, like, you're never alone. And I, you know, and I think she thought it was comforting. But I remember being a kid going, the fuck? What do you mean I'm never alone? So much of what we do to kids is for, like, the 5% of children that are absolute lunatics who will, like, throw themselves into danger at all times. And, like, 95% of kids are, like, just really afraid of, like, we're telling them, like, don't ever go near a street or you'll get run over by a car. And it's like, yeah, because, like, 5% of the kids are going to run into the street after the ball. But, like, a lot of kids are going to look at the street and be like, this is the scariest thing I've ever seen. So, like, yeah, for 5% of the kids, they need to know they're not alone. But for 95% of them, you've now scared the shit out of them. I was scared for a very long time in my life about spirits because I felt like spirits were out to get me. See, that's the thing. Reading this book just made me really think about my relation. Like you said, like, what do we call it? Like, I don't call talking to my grandmother consorting with spirits, but oh, shit. Well, when you really think about it, you know, like, so anyway. Um, I would also like to take a moment, just so everybody knows, I am not saying we shouldn't tell kids not to play in the street. That is exaggeratory. <laughs> Nobody messaged me saying that it's obviously street safety is important. That's I'm just, okay, I'm just speaking in hyperbole. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. I know because you will get somebody who's like, how could you? She has a kid. Sometimes Trust I me. say shit and it's, you know, it's like for <laughs> emphasis. It's not because the whole statement is true. Right. Before we get to chapter four, he says the most important skill to master. I'm going to read it right. I, I wrote it down. You must cultivate a healthy dynamic tension between allowing the play of awareness to run free and critically analyzing your experience. Analyze, obviously, after the experience is over. Do not cut the experience short by starting to like analyze like what you're experiencing. But you have to have that's like the most important thing, which he mentioned earlier, but he brings it up. And that is true. The yeah. idea of, you know. Oh, I conjured a spirit and I, I, this is what we did and this is what happened. Is it, is that really what happened? You know, yeah. um, how much of it is your perception? So I like that he keeps bringing that up. And then, of course, we talk yeah. about mutual respect and invoking authority versus earning authority. The Moses example. I thought that yeah. was really interesting. Um, I'm not going to say I didn't have a hard time. So, okay, so the idea is that the more you work with spirit, right? And I think he used an example from his own life. The more you work with spirits, the more you kind of advance. We're like, you know, spirits know who you are because you are something, right? You have been working with spirits. So you kind of have that authority to command another spirit to come through. Because yeah. it's kind of like, oh yeah, he works with Jerry, right? So <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. So <laughs> like, oh, I'm calling I'm, a coworker. <laughs> right. So I'm going to come yeah. through too. But he says, you can also invoke authority. Where you use this thing. And did he write the whole thing out? Like how to use it? He, he, he did, right? He writes a whole example, yeah. Yeah, on how you can actually use these words that were used by somebody else. And at that moment, you are invoking Moses, as in you are Moses. Yeah. The words you speak were said by Moses, but now you can say them. And at that moment, as you're saying them, you are Moses. Therefore, you have authority to call another spirit because at that point you are Moses. And that yeah. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around. Do you know what I mean? Like how is it just the words? Is it because it's been used over and over so that spirits respect that command? I'm not sure. It's giving um, aspecting 
from chapter two where it's like you're yeah. putting on the the cloak of the thing right um i don't know if this is a i don't i don't know where this came from mm-hmm. uh but many many years ago when i was still writing fiction um <laughs> i was working on like a fantasy novel concept where like you could put on the mantle of a god and then eventually become the god and like mm-hmm. that's this you're putting on the mantle of Moses and becoming right. Moses. No, I get that. My whole thing that I don't get is, okay, um, my Scorpio hat. If I had my Scorpio hat and one of my black dresses and you put it on, I still feel like someone would look at you and go, um, but you're Gemini. Why are you wearing Scorpio stuff? Do you know, like, how I'm does... Moses in, like, the astral... But you know what I mean? Like, I'm physically me, but what if I'm Moses in another... Right. But how does that... How does it even... I guess the problem I'm having I have is I no don't idea. see how that... I also don't okay. think I could do it. I would be too nervous to trying to... It. Right. And I guess that's all it is. Like, just you believe it so everyone else will. But to me, I would never try that because I would feel like they're going to look at me and go, you're not Moses, lady. You know, like, I don't know. Eh. And then, see, this is, okay, this goes back to, like, how does magic work? Is it the power of the words? Is there energy right. behind the spell? I, and there's, like, there's no answer to that. And if you don't believe it's going to work, it's not going to work. That's true. I mean, I love that it does. I, I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. But, all right. Um, what else? Prayers and spells? Yes. Which I think at this point, you know, in the year of our Lord, 2023, I think witches and the witch adjacent have to accept that prayers are spells. Yeah. I don't think we can debate that anymore. Yeah, I agree. He talks about working with both Christian and Luciferian powers with no bias. But here's the difference, he says. Angels, they veer towards collectivism and conformity whereas demons veer towards individualism and heterodoxy so it's not that one is better than the other or worse than the other you have to know when you are calling or working with one what is it that you want to do right if you want individualism you want a demon you don't want an angel for that so i do wonder if like because i guess for me i feel like you have to pick a side sort of like, I can't imagine that angels are cool with, like, being summoned in a Christian way, but then that, like, knowing you're also summoning demons in a Luciferian way, like, I, his angel was like, you have to, you literally have to, so I guess, like, maybe I'm wrong, but if but they're he, supposed oh, to be, like, at war, it just feels like playing both sides kind of vibes. But he says earlier in the book, you know, where does this idea of Lucifer and demons come from? I yep. mean, it's Christian. So yeah. it's not necessarily... They're at war in this book that we're assuming is telling us everything we need to know about angels and demons. But are they really at war or are they just like this? Hey, this is how what we work on. This is what you work on. I'm not going to ask the science teacher about, I don't know what, I'm not going to ask the English teacher about science. It doesn't mean we're at war. 
It just means you focus on that. I focus on this. And, you know, if you, you have a question, you better go to the right person if you want a good answer. And I think that we have this bias, this inherent bias that some witches would just know better than other people. And that, you know, you hear Lucifer and you go, no, that's that's the negative side. I also don't think that it's just because of Christianity. I think it's also because this idea of working with the devil has hurt so many witches. It's the reason why yeah. so many women, mostly women, have died. So I think that there's yeah. this natural inclination to go, I don't work with the devils or demons. Like, get off my back. You're wrong. And I'm not saying that because I don't work with demons, but I'm just saying I, I don't think – I think we're seeing it wrong, and I think it comes from years of persecution and, you know, conditioning from Christianity. But I also think – and this is part of my problem, I guess, because I come to things from, like, a Reconstructionist lens or Revivalist lens. Mm -hmm. It feels like – taking christianity out of context or and like it? i wouldn't do that to voodoo i wouldn't do that to um santeria so why am i doing it to christianity i think i think we're doing it to christianity because no one has not no one but we don't normally look at christianity through a critical lens Right. There's one thing to attack it. Christianity, it's wrong. You know, they're wrong. They've done this. It's another thing to say, OK, now let's take this apart and really look at what is being said. A lot of magicians, a lot of the things that we have, he's talked about a lot of the seals and a lot of the comes from like older Christian ideas. Christianity, there's more magic in there. You've said it than people really want to admit to. So if you think about yes. this as a very magical religion, then what's being left out? Maybe we need to examine it. But at that point, is that not the job of Christian theology and not the job of witches and sorcerers? No, I think it is the job of witches and sorcerers because Christianity has gone down this road where they're not going to critically look at their past because to look at their past would mean to change the way they do things now, right? They have decided somewhere along their history, they have decided, nope, no more magic. Nope, we don't do it. We don't mm -hmm. do it. So if that's going to be your stance as a religion, you can't then critically look at it because you're going to see all the magic that Christianity was founded on. And I'm not just saying what they stole from pagans. If you're going to talk about the works of Jesus or anything like that, we're talking about spirit work. We're talking about consorting mm -hmm. with spirit. We're talking about actual magic. So they're not going to do it. This is so annoying because my husband is also really interested in like Christian esotericism and like things like this. And now I'm going to have to be like, hey, babe, let's talk about like St. Cyprian of Antioch as referenced yeah. in this book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. God damn it. <laughs> it's This book really does force you to confront your relationship with Christianity as well. As a witch. Yeah. I'm going to say if you're not interested in consorting with spirits, if this is something, or you're not used, you don't want to take it to another level, you're happy with what you do, and you're like, I don't want to be a sorcerer, I don't want to be a magician, I'm just a witch, I want to stay here. 
I think these are things that, like you said, it forces us to look at it. It's just going to make your practice stronger if you have deep thoughts about this stuff. You don't have to do anything with the stuff here. But I think just reading it is going to help. He does, if you don't mind me jumping a little bit, talk about going to churches uh, as a fantastic place to meditate and pray. And I got to tell you, I also hate that. Um, He he says churches, temples, and synagogues. I don't love that. Don't go to people's places of worship to worship other things. That feels disrespectful, especially synagogues. Like, (laughs) that's just not right. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you my story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Churches make me sick. Like, I go inside. When I was younger, my family thought it was funny. They called me Damien from the Omen because they're like, only, yeah, only Scorpio goes into a church. And it's like, I would tell my mother, like, I'm nauseated. Like, I feel mm-hmm. sick. All right. Fast forward. I am older now. I didn't do this. Did I do this when I went to England? I don't think so. But, like, I'm older. I'm traveling to Europe now more often. And... People just expect you to go to churches and old monasteries and all these things. Guess who doesn't get sick in them? Then one of my favorite places is in Spain. It's the Mesquita, which really just means it's um, it's a mosque, but it's like the biggest mosque in southern Spain. It now inside of it has different, I guess, churches, different things inside of it. It's gigantic. So it's still used for service, but it's Christian. Mm-hmm. And I go through those halls and I could absolutely sit and meditate. Why? The energy in there is good. It's a mm-hmm. good energy. It's it's not the same. And I don't know if it's because whether they want to admit it or not, there is magic happening in these mm-hmm. churches. Okay. The way they worship is very different from worshiping here. Here, it's like, oh, it's Christmas, let's all go. Or the older people might worship. But the way they worship there is like this old kind of, even just mm-hmm. looking at their Easter processions with everybody dressed. I, mean, I remember the first time people look at it, they're like, Wait, what is that, the Ku Klux Klan? It's like, no, it's like these black, very much the same type of outfits. Mm-hmm. But they are covered as they bring the procession of their saints out. Their saints and Jesus, they have real human hair, right? This is a very old, much older, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm saying? This is a magical yeah. thing that we're doing. So I'm going to say, go into a church or a synagogue. I'm not doing that here. But would I find I just, peace? I feel yeah. deeply uncomfortable in a in a global society where mm-hmm. anti-Semitism is on the rise to be like, oh, yeah, just go sit in a synagogue and meditate. Like, if you want to go to yeah. a synagogue to experience a Jewish service, go for it. But, like, that right. feels fucked up. I, I think and I do depends. think that there's, I... like, some ego in this idea of, like, oh... I'm going to go to a church and I'm going to meditate and pray to my gods. I'm going to go to a synagogue and I'm going to meditate and pray to my gods. Like, okay, Jewish people don't go to Catholic church and do that. Okay, but here's the thing. Are you praying to your gods? Because according to this, it looks like it's the same. It's Christian, pagan, Luciferian. It's, I'm not going to the synagogue thing. I'm just talking about like the Christian churches. Yeah. Are you going to do something else? Are you going literally because he's telling you where do angels and demons dwell if not 
in places that truly believe in them and are calling to them. Fair. If you're doing like specifically angels and demons work, I think that that does justify doing it. You know, I don't think I would necessarily go into a church and hope to find carried when there. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. if I'm if I'm doing angel work, if I'm doing demon work, yeah, I think a church is probably a good bet for going and meditating. I'm not really sure where synagogues come into this, to be honest with you, or temples. Um, I'm not really sure mosques. Like, I don't really know. When I go into a really old church in Europe or I go into this mosque in Europe, there's so much going on there. Yeah. Emotionally, the feeling you get when you walk in. That the vibe is very different and it's a hell of a lot older than anything we have here. Definitely. So there's something happening. I don't know. But yeah, here it, it is kind of weird. He also talks about graveyards, which is something that we've talked about. Um, but he says, like, you got to be careful. What are you digging up? Like people do like to go and they desecrate graves. And that's not the deal. The deal is yeah. if you're going to a graveyard, it's about meditating. It's about being guided by spirits you know who is the head spirit there right it's not yeah. just like i'm just going to grab a bunch of stuff leave a bunch of crap and that's just so wrong he goes into fear and danger which is a very interesting analysis because he does talk about how you know well a lot of people are gonna be like well you're not really telling us how to protect ourselves and first of all i wrote a whole book about it but second of all that's you know he he makes a really good point okay so i'm gonna give you one chapter on protection you think that's gonna work he also says, you know, you should be doing that work before you pick up this book. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. He also says, the more you, and this I thought was really, really interesting, and I'm going to say yes to this. So he says, the more you banish, the more you're like, okay, uh, I'm protecting myself, I'm protecting myself, no spirits, no spirits, no spirits. The more you do that, then how the hell do you expect to be able to reach out and have spirit reach back? You've yeah. just said not in this house. And the reason I say yes, I was reading that is that, um, you know, because I grew up with a healthy fear of all spirits, thanks to my mother, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, that was the feeling I had, like all spirits yeah. got all spirits got I don't want anybody to hear anybody to hear. But then it does make it that much harder if you're trying to reach yeah. out to somebody, you know. So he's also saying there's just so much protection that you need before you can allow yourself to feel around. And I also like the idea, I forgot the term he used. I don't know if it was community, but the idea that if let's say right now I'm going to be possessed or I want to be possessed or I want to reach out to a certain spirit that you should not be alone, right? You should have somebody that can bring mm -hmm. you back. You could have somebody that's going to help about you. partners in crime. Yes. That, you know, so I think that that's, that's the first time I ever read something like that. And I yeah. thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because a lot of times, it's, yeah. It's very much this idea of like have a trip sitter. Yes. Right? Like if you're going to do a psychedelic, you need somebody there to make sure you don't jump off a roof. Right. C contacting a spirit is very much a psychedelic. <laughs> yeah. So I like that he said that because it's true. You can't just block yourself off from spirit and then expect spirit to come in. So then how do you protect yourself? You have somebody with you. You have community with you. And I thought that was yeah. really key. And also you probably shouldn't just start off with who's the scariest. He's talked about a couple of spirits. What was the one uh, spirit? It was a demon. 
he reached out to and he felt it was very hot. He felt like just really like this is bad. And he thought that the, that oh, the um, demon was very aggressive. Asmodeus. Asmodeus was As- going to punch him in the face. Right. Yeah. Or Asmodeus. And I'm not sure how we say that name. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce it either. But <laughs> um, but okay, that's right. That's that's the spirit. Asmodeus. Oh, um, and he said that he thought, okay, this is just a very aggressive demon. Mm-hmm. But it was the way he had called him. It was the way he had approached him. The yeah. spell or seal or whatever he used. The method. Um, yeah, the method. That's what made him come through that way. And when he tried again years later, knowing more, not just grabbing a book, it was a different exchange. Yeah. Right? He said it's not that he's a fluffy yeah. bunny, but it was not this really like, oh, my God, he's going to punch me in the face type of thing. So, yeah. 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 He also says spirits can offer protection. Like, why not call on the spirits that you know will protect you and then go off to something else? So I thought that was really interesting. But he did, like you said, offer three different protection spells. And again, he wrote a whole book on it. So, like, you also can pick up his book on protections and reversals if you're, like, really worried about it. He did that one first. And to be honest with you, I have not read it. I want to read it. I don't know if we want to do it for the podcast. But I think that it sounds like it's a really good book. Just because I like the way he writes. He knows what he's talking yes. about. Period. So why yeah. wouldn't I want to read on what he says? Especially especially because of what he works on. Right? If we're talking about a yes. person that he has worked with so many spirits and demons. Angels and demons. However mm-hmm. you want to call them. If anybody knows about protection. I mean, I think to me, yeah. this is the guy. This is the guy to go to. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are other people. I'm not knocking other people, but I'm just saying he just seems like a very good source. So I would do that. He talks about the consecration yeah. of tools at one point, different methods. He also gives us a list of demon names with their um, Hebrew, Deacon, Egyptian yes, as well. So you have that, which I think is interesting. I, I don't want to do too much more because we are... This is a big ass podcast already. Yeah. But I yeah. have another bone to pick with Jason Miller. Um, okay. And this is as a Hellenic now because he talks about familiar spirits mm-hmm. and he talks about mall Santas. And mm-hmm. mall Santas are intermediate spirits that work for sort of like larger spirits in the way that like a mall Santa is not Santa Claus, <laughs> but he acts to be Santa Claus for children. Right. Um, and this is, like, actually fundamentally part of Hellenismos. Like, there are daemons, and the daemons work for the gods and bring your messages back and forth. So I felt some type of way about them being called mall Santas. <laughs> like, does the metaphor work? Yes. Is it yes. nice? No. Well, but no. he's not He's not trying to call you guys I out. Know. He's not saying, you know, yeah. I know. Relationships and packs. But there's something that he does towards the end. Questions and answers. Chapter 12. Which is a very unique thing to have in a book, and I love it. And he says he's, these aren't even all the questions. It, it's just what yeah. he could think about. And I like it because, yeah, if not this book, he could write a chapter on every one of those questions. Yeah. You know, and then this book would be forever. So I really, really like that. A couple other things that he did when he talks about angels that he's or, or demons that he's contacted... He even has drawings of how, what form they've come in. There was one in particular that he said, can you please come in a more kinder or pleasing way? And that's how they came and he drew it. 
or somebody drew it for him. Yeah. You know, so he he's done that. And um and he actually finished this. He signed it off on Candlemas twenty twenty one. So uh, I would like to also let everybody know he does regularly reference Pokemon in this book, which I he's, love. I feel like he's somebody I just want to talk to. Like, he just seems like he's really cool I about a like, lot yeah, of different we, things. We, we could hang out. Yeah. Like, I don't even mean podcasts. Like, because I feel like talking to him would be um, definitely more than an hour. This would be, like, hours and hours of yeah. just talking about well, everything. This book is more than an hour. Like, there's no way yeah. for us to talk about this book in a reasonable amount of time to put on a podcast. Yeah, I don't. Th- we'd have to meet. And we'd have to chat with him first before we even thought about bringing him on the podcast because I yeah. it would be like four hour long episodes. This book, just so you know, before you think, oh, I'm scared. I want to read this. It's only like two hundred and something words. I mean, words, pages, right? But I know words. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like, very reasonable. So it's very. It's a short book in that sense, but it's not. It, it's really not a short book. Um, well written. I think that he's super honest about everything. He's not gatekeeping. He is just telling you how things are. Like yeah. like you said before, he's making you think. He's not going to give you all the answers, but he's definitely going to tell Very you how much. to get things done. I yeah. totally recommend this. Even if you even if you never work with demons, I don't have any desire. I'll tell you that right now. I don't have any desire yeah. to work with demons or angels or anything like that. That could change. As we've seen in the podcast, yeah. so many things have changed for us. <laughs> But I don't have any desire. That's not why I decided to do this book. I think my reason, um, one of the reasons, I should say, that I wanted to do this book, I, I like the idea of us jumping off into different things. I don't know what yeah. the audience might want to hear. So definitely reach out to us. Tell us, yeah, we want more stuff like this. Or have you ever thought of blank? That doesn't mean we won't do an intro book again because... Just like the last one we read, there are some really, really good ones. And they help you even if you're not an intro witch. And then there's stuff like this where you go, I will never conjure a demon. But guess what? It'll make you really think about what you think spirit is. What do you really think an angel is? What do you consider a demon? Is that accurate or is this a prejudice we have? And it's okay to have that prejudice. That's why I don't think I will reach out to demons because I have that prejudice in me that that is a very negative thing and that I don't want to invite that into my life. Is that accurate? Maybe not. I don't think that's how he sees it. Okay. He's more open-minded in that. It's okay for me to say I have a bias, but even with that bias, this book has given me a lot to think about. And I think it's definitely something that people, you should put it on your list, your short list of, I should read this just to like figure out what I, who I am. How do I feel about this stuff? I think we talk a lot. Well, I don't think. We do talk a lot on this podcast about doing the work. And mm. I think this sort of shift, the, the shift between Weave the Liminal and Consorting the Spirits, is us doing the work. Um, because mm. I think, you know, it's one thing for us to read and discuss intro books and talk about how important it is to really choose yourself and, like, prioritize your own path. It's another thing entirely to get on the podcast and be like, I am really figuring out my own personal cosmology because I am reading what Jason Miller says and I do not resonate with some of it. Yeah. It, it's. But I think what we lot. do. It's, it's heavy. Yeah. But I think there's a difference between I don't resonate with it. So forget it. And I yeah. don't resonate with it. Why not? 
But what's holding me back, right? It's not the author. He's an expert on yeah. this. He knows what he's talking about. So yes. why do I have difficulty? That's a me problem, right? So I like that. Okay, now, thanks to this book, I get to like look at this again. And I'm going to be coming back to this book, right? If nothing else, yeah. and so that I can do the work on my connection with spirit and what I want to do with that. Maybe exactly. I don't want to expand it anymore, but at least I've thought about it. At least he's giving yeah. me the tools to think about it in a way that without having read this book, I never would have thought of. And I think, you I mean, let's go back to perception versus projection. Everything mm-hmm. he writes is also based on his own projection. This book is so useful in really having you sit down and say, okay, I'm perceiving and projecting. What am I doing with it? Right? What yeah. is the next step? If I do agree with this, perfect. What am I going to do? If I don't agree with this, perfect. What am I going to do? What does this mean to me? And why does it matter? Because answering those questions is just going to deepen your practice. Because now it's not exactly. something that, oh, I haven't really... I haven't really thought about that. No, now you're thinking about it. Yeah. Now you can say confidently, no, I do not conjure or consort, you know, with demons or I don't do this with angels or you know what? I just, I cannot wrap my head around Christianity with this. So I'm just not, you know what I mean? Like you just decide, you have to decide, but you have to have those honest questions with yourself because at the end of the day, it's your practice. So however you decide to use this book, as far as how you're going to think about spirit for yourself, you know, and, and again, yeah. you know, he said it in the book, but we're saying it too, because, you know, we want everybody to be safe. We want you all to be safe. So yeah, if you have not read another magic book, please don't jump off and do some of the exercises he's talking about, you know, don't do he's, any of the exercises. Yeah. Yeah. Start, you know? Pick something else up. He says it right in the front, pick a different yeah. book to start. Right. You know, and he is an authority, so why wouldn't I listen to what he has to say? He's he's also doing mm-hmm. it for your safety. So yeah, but definitely I think people should read this book. Yeah. It, and I I I think Catlan in book in Brooklyn has it. And you know, you should check your witch stores to see which witch stores carries. Okay, yeah. that's gonna be another theme we're gonna do this year is just to remind people, like, look up, you know, witch shops, metaphysical yeah. shops in your area and see what they carry. Cause we want these places to stick around a long time. Yeah. We definitely recommend you guys reading this and obviously reach out to us and let us know what you thought about it um, and where you want us to go with it next. And of course, before we do our outro, we've got some fun information to share, Scorpio. Okay, so March 17th is the next Moon Serpent and Bone Market. Now, we're going to stop our whole surprise because I don't think it's a surprise anymore when we have these extra podcasts, but we are going to be changing them just a little bit. So we definitely will be talking about the market. We'll be highlighting a vendor of the market. Amy will come on and talk about it. But we also want to take those moments to kind of focus those episodes. They're going to be super short, but to focus on the season. So the next one is the Ostara market. So it's all going to be about spring. So even if you're not in the lower Hudson Valley and you can't come out to the market, we want these little mini ones to be one, 
a place where you can learn about a new vendor that has an online presence so that you can still mm-hmm. check them out, but to get something out of it for the season. So you can look for these special episodes to be for Astara, for the Summer Solstice, Samhain, and Yule. So we're going to have these little extra ones. They're going to highlight the market, but it's going to give you just a little bit more. So hopefully you guys will want to tune in to the little tiny episodes that we got to have for you sprinkled throughout the year. We're really excited to offer you this sort of new version of Witch Space on top of what we already do to just kind of bring more community together and talk more about the things that are important to us. On that note, please talk to us. Tell us what's important to you. What do you want to hear? What do you want to share? What do you want to hear us share? Um, We love hearing from you. Email, Instagram, see us at markets. Uh, It just really, it's, again, wonderful to have an audience that we can make this for and who enjoys it. Thank you, of course, to Conwin Moore for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. Mm